Perfect. It's always uh, we. I've now been on two birthday Zoom calls, and everybody always wants to sing Happy Birthday, but there's a two second delay between everybody, and so it's it's always a disaster. And so, <laughs> just when you thought public singing of Happy Birthdays couldn't get any worse, Zoom comes to rescue Zoom us. Comes to rescue, and uh, and so I. Um, I always just make it much worse, <laughs> you know, just like, all right, everybody. Na- <laughs> oh, here. Okay, here we go. All right. Okay. Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We use science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness but it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you, and you too. (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh. We're starting the podcast with a completely visual joke only I can see. We are on Zoom right now, and once again, you have made another Zoom background that uh, you said is a six-minute loop, and like every minute and a half, uh, Nicholas walks through the back, and he just walked back, walked past with like the a forty-five-inch round. It's it's a it's like a four-foot um, um, lazy Susan. Lazy Susan. That's yeah. what. And it's, <laughs> Looks like he's walking past with Captain America's shield back there. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, hi. How are you? I'm I'm really well. But you know this this coronavirus uh, quarantine it seems to be kind of getting to everyone. Yes. Uh, you heard that even uh, Corona beer is changing its name because of this. Oh wow. Yeah, they're changing it to COVID nineteen beer. That's it. No. <laughs> That's the joke. I got out my slot. <laughs> that doesn't even get a slot. That just gets a one-toned. <laughs> so wow. Uh, I I uh, I may or may <laughs> I, I, not. I scrambled for a second joke. As I scrambled for a second. Joke. I I made that one up last. Oh night. no! <laughs> it was. <laughs> That is legit. Like uh, Colin's little brother Liam, who just turned thirteen, is super into puns and and jokes like that. So he's mostly trying things like that out. But he he will oh he doesn't get where you're not supposed to say the, the punny pun- part of the punchline in the in first the, part. Right, right, right. So I've been trying to walk him through that. My my first choice, which is what I should have gone with. <laughs> Is uh, where do you take someone who's been injured in a peekaboo accident? I don't know. <laughs> to the ICU. Oh, <laughs> yay. <laughs> there we go. Yay. Uh, always go with your first instinct is what you learn. <laughs> what you learn in comedy. Uh, how are you guys doing over there? Uh, we're, we're doing pretty well. Uh, we have... Um, 
both of us work from home uh, and so we're incredibly lucky to honestly not be super affected by business and and finances and everything we we now have our uh, stimulus check is queued as yours is as it well is. for the sixth and uh and we don't hate each other we we've seen that's pretty great i mean it, not just for you but i mean i think about of, of all peak all couples that are just stuck together stuck together i'm i'm just so glad that i literally know people who are driving each other crazy uh yeah in, in this <laughs> there goes nick speaking of nick walking through the background there he goes again it's been six minutes <laughs> So. <laughs> That'll be a t- our time marker. Is how many times Nick walks past? <laughs> Six. Uh, well, that's good. Yeah, it's been. Uh, I was on Fun Employment Radio. I think a week or a week ago, a week and a half ago, or something like that. And I was telling them that it's it's strange to be because um, when I go over to Colin's house, both his parents are there, and sometimes Grandma's there, and it's just it's interesting living in like in someone else's marriage, so to speak, you're just like in the house with them. And they, I mean, they've got an amazing marriage and for them to have five kids, uh, a couple of them with special needs, including Colin, which is fairly severe and owning a business together, a small business together that they work together all the time. And they've been married for like 20, 21 years or something like that. And are just, I mean, so they're, I mean, they're awesome and they're great, but I mean, everybody squabbles and gets some little tiffs and like, there I am standing in the middle folding a pile of laundry as they all like shout at each other about who's going to take out the garbage or, uh, so that's been pretty funny. I, I, I'm going to turn my microphone are you talking into the wrong end? I'm, I'm absolutely talking into the wrong end. Oh, I'm wow. That so sounds sorry. good. That sounds so much better than what I was doing. <laughs> Hi, everyone. You probably uh, didn't back. hear my joke. Uh, coronavirus <laughs> is causing everybody to be a little wacky. And so you know the that? Corona beer is actually changing its name. It's now going to be called COVID-19 beer. <laughs> I'm not even going to bother getting at the slide. I've tucked it way three inches to my right, and it's too much, it's too much of an effort even then. Oh, well, I've got not a lot of news stories this week because, as we know, uh, one thing and one thing only is dominating the news. So um, I did find a couple other things. So the earliest evidence of a person struck dead by a meteorite was found. Wow. So the, dis- the discovery of the fatal encounter with a space rock was made while searching through state archives in Turkey, according to a st- uh, study published in the journal Meteorite Meteoritics. How would you say that? Meteoritics? Meteoritics? Yeah, that sounds um, plausible. <laughs> okay, well, the journal Meteoritics and Planetary Science, my favorite journal, Uh, The team discovered three separate official papers describing that incident, which killed one person and left another paralyzed. And that took place on August 22, 1888, which you'd think we'd have something a little further back than that. But I guess I guess it is just so rare that. Right. After we invented writing (laughs) 7000 years ago, that's the only time someone thought to write it down. Um. But claims of people being killed or injured by meteorites do exist in history. Oh, I guess that answered my question. However, not one of those narratives was substantiated by clearly or by clear and convincing proof such as this event, which has been further validated by evidence of a report to the reigning sultan of the Ottoman Empire, Abdul Hamid II. 
So not too long ago in 1954, a resident of eastern Alabama uh, was hit by a meteorite the size of a softball. The woman was asleep in her living room when the meteorite pierced through her ceiling and struck her thigh. Uh, She only was minorly injured, but... Uh, in 2009, a 14-year-old German boy was grazed in the hand by a pebble-sized meteorite. He wasn't seriously injured. So that would be kind of super cool <laughs> just to be like out of the blue struck by a meteorite. <laughs> That's how I want to go out. You I know. know instantly right? and and worthy of note. Exactly. And I will corroborate it. That way it will be officially entered entered into, into the, the record, into the record. Um, I will not be reading any of the article, but uh, I would be remiss to not read the headline as it's one of my favorite words that I didn't know existed until a long time ago on our podcast when I stumbled across uh, across it. But one of the uh, boom industry uh, that is happening right now, since we're all stuck inside, is the in- industry of Teledildonics, <laughs> which I believe this is the it, second time now I've said that on this podcast. Is that the the, um, the drive-through um, strip clubs that we've got uh, in Portland now? Oh no, we don't. Of course, oh, we we'll do. talk Why about we that. We'll, that. We'll talk about that. <laughs> okay. No, this is just Teledildonics, which is, um, I believe. <laughs> Phone based. Phone based, or where you control things for someone else oh. over the internet is is what that's for. But uh, murder, murder. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so, a big story has been going around this this last week. Kind of the the meme of the of the moment is like, how could things get any worse or whatever? And so this has been making its way around. A deadly pest has reached North America, and that is something called the murder hornet. So this is actually from Blaine Washington. So in his, yeah, in his decades of beekeeping, Ted McFall had never seen anything like it. As he he pulled up his truck to check on a large group of beehives near Custer, Washington. I don't know where that is. Um, Way north. Way north. Yeah, that's what I figured. Um, He found a mess of bee carcasses on the ground. And when he looked closer, he saw a pile of dead members of the colony in front of a hive and more uh, thousands inside with their heads torn from their bodies. So he couldn't figure out what this was uh, going on. But it turns out it's this giant. And I've seen videos of this before this incident, but these gigantic hornets that literally attack beehives and rip off the heads of these uh, of bees. So it's an, age, an Asian giant hornet that uses mandibles shaped like spiked shark fins to wipe out honeybee hives in a matter of hours, decapitating the bees and flying away with the thoraxes to feed their young. Dude, nature... <laughs> now, now I have new nightmares to have. Thank you. Seriously, have you seen? Well, you uh, just I've said seen you've pictures. seen pictures. Yeah. I've seen pictures, and they're terrifying and gargantuan. Yes. So, uh, in addition to ha- uh, having these mandibles, they also have potent venom and a stinger long enough to puncture a beekeeper's suit, making for an excruciating combination that victims have likened to hot metal driving into their skin. Oh. So, uh, in Japan, these hornets kill up to 50 people a year. Uh, now they've arrived in the U.S. So beyond its size, the hornet has a distinctive look with a cartoonishly fierce face featured, uh, featuring teardrop eyes like Spider-Man, orange and black stripes that extend down its body like a tiger, and wispy wings like a dragonfly. Um, 
So Conrad, oh, how am I going to say this last name? Barube, uh, a beekeeper and entomologist, was uh, set out. Let's see. I lost my place now. That that name confused me so much. He donned Kevlar braces on his ankle and wrist. He put on shorts and uh, and thick sweatpants. Then his bee suit, and he was still stung through all of that. Yeah. So he was stung about seven times. He said it was like having red hot thumbtacks being driven into my flesh. So. <laughs> And it says the miles of wooded landscape and mild, wet climate of Western Washington and and uh, Western Oregon make it an ideal climate and location for hornets to spread. So if you are in the Pacific Northwest, look for the murder wasp or the murder hornet to be headed your way. Uh, uh, I, I have I have I have nothing about that. Get that so, as your virtual background. Just a giant. Murder wasp. Murder wasp. Uh, so this this article is a little bit old, but uh, frankly, so is the subject. So ABBA admits <laughs> outrageous outfits were worn to avoid tax. So uh, if you know anything about the singing group ABBA, uh, in the 70s and 80s when they were performing, their stage shows usually included incredibly outlandish, outrageous uh, costuming. And uh, Bjorn Oveas is one of the founders, and he's the guitarist. He says, um, uh, let's see. (laughs) 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 While wearing a chef's hat and waving a wooden spoon around. (laughs) Uh, It's my honest opinion, we looked like nuts in those years. No, (laughs) Nobody can have uh, been as badly dressed on stage as we were, but there was a tax loophole in Sweden that said that if you manufactured clothing that was not practical for humans to wear on a daily basis, that then it was not taxed as uh, retail materials, it was taxed as art, uh, which was uh, (laughs) basically no tax. And so uh, they purposefully made outfits that were not practical to be worn by humans in order to avoid uh, the taxes charged to them for uh, for those designs. That is crazy. And because of it, they're they're some of the most iconic. Uh, let me just. Was share. there a designer for that? That wasn't Bob Mackie, was it? I don't think so. Because Bob uh, Mackie did all the shares crazy shares stuff and and uh, famously, Liza. Yeah, Liza, and famously, um, uh, we were watching some of the carol burnett show uh last night some of the original episodes oh right and and the the famous moment when she comes down the stairs with uh curtains as she's wearing curtains and, yes yeah, which yeah. i believe is the longest laugh of a studio audience in television history was the reveal of of uh that dress that curtain dress so it was, wow it was yeah I'm, I'm looking at the abba the abba <laughs> Wow, look at the that one guy's got overalls, like these white bell bottom yeah, overalls that are Bjorn. the tightest <laughs> thing he, in he, but just in the waist and the thighs. You can tell what religion he is. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> Is there a Swedish tax on that? <laughs> wow, that's yeah. that's insane. Um, and then uh, this is <laughs> interjecting this one just uh, because of the conversation we just had. Yeah. So uh, dancing at drive-through strip clubs, uh, Lucky Devil Lounge had to shut down due to coronavirus, then reopened at a safe social distance. So basically, they've set up a carport-like drive-through area <laughs> that you. Uh, drive into, and then there are uh, performers. On- <laughs> oh, it's like uh, it's like getting a drink at Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, oh my and, goodness gracious! And so she's got a a gas mask on, and the other one has a mask on, and uh, wow! You, you get your performance and uh, pay your your dollars. And uh, Lucky and Devil is that driving. the one? Is that the one right on Ross Island Bridge or whatever? Not Ross Island, Selwood. Yeah, Ross the, Island. No, is Ross Island Bridge? Ross Island. Uh, I I think that's Devil's Point. Oh. Uh, but yeah, Lucky Devil. Uh, I'm always speeding like three, past it so that yeah. that I won't get tainted by the world. <laughs> Devil's Point keeps on getting hit by cars, probably because they speed on by. Uh, so they don't get hit by the world that well Um, to be fair like if you're driving because i uh if i'm either coming to your house actually or if i'm coming from the selwood bins and going back over the bridge to get on to i5 south or whatever you have to go past that and there's a weird a super weird intersection right there where like a couple main roads like suddenly are small side roads that suddenly merge it's, back into a main road and it's, it's just a terrifying stupid. place yeah, to... it is it is one of the the worst areas of town uh for for traffic and and everything yeah yeah wow well there's a man arrested trying to quarantine on a private disney island uh florida <laughs> deputies arrested a man who had been living out uh his quarantine on the shuttered disney world island uh, that used to be Treasure Island. That was closed in 1999. Uh, the 42-year-old said he didn't hear he didn't hear the numerous deputies <laughs> deputies searching the private island for him on foot, by boat, or by air because he was just asleep. He told the deputy he didn't know it was a restricted area, despite there being numerous signs. "Quote: Richard stated that he was unaware uh, of that, and it looked like a tropical paradise." Uh, Orange County Marine deputies on Bay Lake used a private address system to tell him that he was not allowed to be on the property, but he remained. Um, so they sent some security out and he was arrested for and taken to jail without incident. Um, it was previously called Treasure Island. Uh, it is uh, had been the site of a zoological park before the island was closed in 1999. So I'm not sure what I mean, it must just be. I would. I. It's probably not even much of an island. I imagine it's just part of the swamp that is exactly that yeah. is Central Florida. Is, is technically an island, but a yeah. mosquito breeding ground that is. <laughs> um, oh, but exciting news from space: Halley's Comet will not be around until like 2000, whenever many years from now. But it is bringing a meteor shower to light up the sky on Cinco de Mayo. So Skywalkers can Skywalkers Skywatchers sky can es- expect an exciting month of cosmic phenomena, starting with a meteor shower to mark Cinco de Mayo. 
It's called the Eta Aquarids and is expected to peak on the early hours of Tuesday, May 5. So what are the Eta Aquarids, you ask? I'm glad you asked. What are the Eta Aquarids? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. The Eta Aquarids, which is spelled A-Q-U-A, aqua, and then R-I-D-S, Aquarids, one word, media shower uh, peaks early in the year as Earth passes through the debris trail of Halley's Comet. So uh, the famous Halley's Mm. Comet is visible every 76 years. It was last seen in 1986, so it will come back in the year 2061. I wonder if I'll be alive then. 2061. I'll be like 85, I guess. Maybe. Huh. Well, anyway, each year when Earth collides with the comet's orbit, vaporizing debris comes flying into our atmosphere at 148,000 miles per hour. Um, fast meteors tend to leave a glowing dust train behind them, producing magnificent, magnificent shooting stars. So um, if you can go see it, it is advised, obviously, to escape the harsh city lights. <laughs> Lie flat on your back with your feet facing east and looking up, says this weirdly detailed thing about how to look at the sky. <laughs> Allowing about 30 minutes in the dark for your eyes to adjust. Be patient and don't forget a blanket. Um, unfortunately, the shower is peaking very close to a full moon, so only the brightest will be visible. Oh, brother. On May 7, the, quote, super flower moon. Uh, it's, hasn't that been a complaint of mine for, like, however yes. long we've been doing this podcast, these ridiculous moon phases? So uh, the, the super flower moon arrives just in time for the spring flowers to bloom. Not not untrue. <laughs> it is the fourth, the fourth supermoon of of how uh, how how many years do you think we're on our fourth supermoon? So what time period mark do you think that is? Of of a supermoon or a super flower moon? Uh just a supermoon, I believe. Um, I I feel like we get one like every three months right now. <laughs> I, don't, I, I think okay. propagated this is- pretty frequently. This is the fourth supermoon of 2020. (laughs) (laughs) But it does say it's the final supermoon, so that doesn't make sense either. Like, we've had one a month, and now they're just not happening anymore. Right. (laughs) They've they've front-loaded this year. (laughs) <laughs> they they spent all their promotional efforts on the camp on the on the Q1 campaign. <laughs> well, that's all. Am I? I can I share a screen with you too? Yep. Yep. Okay. You know so I found a little game that uh, I might end up po- cutting this out of the podcast because it, I think it is kind of visual. I haven't played it yet, but um, let's see. Let me. Go share my screen here. There we go. So so it is something called Google Feud and is a little game that looks a lot like um, uh, Family Feud. It's got a scoreboard with like 10 slots. But the point of it is how does Google autocomplete this search? So if you've ever gone to Google and you start typing things in, it gives you a list of possible things, you know, the most likely searches. So um, I thought it would be fun to play maybe a couple oh. rounds of this. So uh, how does Google autocomplete? And I think we'll have to be on the same team. I'm not sure how this goes. So we each get four guesses, just like Family, uh, just like family Feud. Okay. So it is, is there a word that rhymes with blank? So how okay. would uh, Google, and I'm assuming like for this one, it would be orange. Orange, because that's, oh, purple. So let's, so let's try orange first. 
Number one score. Okay. Purple. So purple, you said. Purple. Number two guess. Nice. So besides those obvious ones, what would the rest of the ten guesses be? Um... I should uh, add some I should add some music behind this in post, but I don't yeah. know that I will. Do you have any guesses? Uh is there a word that rhymes with no? Uh, R- with there, there's rhyme. lots of words that rhyme with no. With uh <laughs> Google. Alright, so I'm gonna blow through my last guesses here. So Month wolf, Is there a word that rhymes with April. month? Wolf, that rhymes April. with itself. Oh, and music. Oh, this one only had seven things, so. Well, let's try. Oh, we have the category, so you can pick culture, people, names, or questions. Which um, one would you like to go with, Mark? Let's go with people. Let's go with people. Tattoos are, are? blank. Wow, um, I'm gonna go with tattoos are trendy. Uh, no. Tattoos are painful. Ooh, painful. See, but who would... No. Who would type in tattoos are? Like, wouldn't you do are tattoos? Yeah. Uh, permanent. Yeah, there you go. Is that how you spell permanent? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. That was the number <gasps> six because, guess. Uh, <clears throat> oh, ta- uh, removable or... Yeah. How, yeah. Removable? How do you spell removable? I'll try the other way. Oh. <laughs> Trashy, a sin, gross, lame, unattractive, bad, low class, addictive, addictive. for losers. For losers. Now, why would you why would you do a Google okay, search that just say a bad one. tattoos are lame? Okay. Let's see. <laughs> this one is I'm too fat to blank. Exercise. Exercise. Okay. Exercise. That is the number four guess. I'm okay. too fat to work. Um, I'll try workout. No. Uh, maybe work, one word for workout. Oh, workout. Oh, yep. There you go. Number yeah. six, workout. Um, Diet. Um, uh, see my feet. <laughs> see my feet. Oh, no. Uh. <laughs> That's good though. I'm too fat to move. Um, get out of bed. Move. Get out of bed. No, no. I'll try move. Oh, oh no! <laughs> the number one answer is wipe what, Mark? My, wipe myself. Oh no! I wash myself with a rag <laughs> on a stick. Is the old Be thing. in the car by myself. Do sit-ups. <laughs> have an eating disorder. I'm too Ski. fat to have an eating disorder. Run. Fly. Or wipe. Wipe. Yeah. Ow. wipe the weird the one in there, surprisingly, is ski. I'm too like, that's a very specific <laughs> yeah. for Because there's there's run. That makes sense. Do sit-ups. That makes sense. Workout. That makes sense. But then <clears throat> ski. Okay. Pick another category. Uh, okay. Um, how do I oh, do how that? How do you get to that? Um, let's try refreshing. Oh. Oh. Um... I don't know. Oh, dear. Click oh, there's on, a, there's a yeah. bunch of different... Oh, here we go. Okay. So culture, people, names, or questions. You you pick a category this time. Uh, I'll try culture. Okay. <laughs> hats, hats, as in something you put on your head, hats for blank. Cats. Yep. That was my first guess, too. Oh, wow. Number, Number seven. seven. Well, let's try dogs. 
Dogs is number three. Monkeys. Monkeys. No. Oh. Hats for babies? No. Um, Hats for children? Um, Hats for sale. Sale. Oh, yep. Number five. What a weird uh, thing to Google. People are just so weird. This is why it's so hard for me to Google things because I'm very fun. like specific and whatever. And everyone's just hats for sale. <laughs> Tell me, Internet. <laughs> I don't care what kind of hat. <laughs> just a hat for sale. Hats for. Did I try kids already or did I try babies? You tried children, I think. Oh, <laughs> speaking of terrible things to Google. <laughs> hats for kids. I'll try. Oh, number <gasps> eight. Eight. Um... Hats for animals? Pets. Pets. No. Oh, wow. Hats for... We have one um, guest left. <laughs> this is compelling. Uh, um, hats. Hats. Hats for parties? Parties. Oh. Hats for men. Hats for women. Hats for hats big for heads. heads. <laughs> oh, hats for cancer uh -huh. patients. Hats for and girls. there I am. I'm small bringing heads. up the back. Hats for small heads. <laughs> a thousand people are afflicted with small heads. I'm, I'm going to click on that. <laughs> See? Wow. <gasps> there's a whole for, YouTube. There's a whole YouTube channel for best hats for men with smaller head shape. I am hitting up Keezy TV on YouTube as soon as this is over. Well, that's awesome. Um, that's, that was kind of fun. I will now try to uh -oh, get out of this screen share, which I don't know how to do. Um, stop share. There we go. There's, there you go. All right, so that was a fun little game that you can all totally. do as a friend. Uh, I believe you can go to uh, googlefeud.com, and it looks like they have five or six little different games within that. Um, so have a little fun with that. That's your pick of the week, <clears throat> as Not Nerd would say. So we've bought our first game console. Really? Yeah. What did we you bought, get? We bought a Nintendo Switch. Oh, fun. I bought it at 10 a.m. this morning, and I have not plugged it in yet. So I have Where did you buy it from that you already have it? Um, I uh, So I I went to offer up. I, I've been looking on crate. So everybody's out of Nintendo, out of yeah, consoles yeah, yeah. across the world as uh, everybody's staying at home and looking for stuff. So the prices are just a little bit more than retail, and everybody's selling them that has one that wants to uh, Needs get cash. an extra little stimulus. And so <clears throat> I've been watching Craigslist and um, Offer Up, and this is my first uh, use of Offer Up. And so, what so it, what I, is Offer what up is, is Offer Up? It's uh, I have something and I want to offer it up to people to buy, and so it's okay. it's just a uh, it's just the sale portion of Craigslist, if you will. Okay, for, the for sale part. And so um, this, uh, you know, kid that looked like every nerd that you would expect uh, <laughs> uh, met me in the parking lot of the 
Burns feed uh, store in uh, Boring, Oregon at uh, 10 a.m. <laughs> and uh, drove back and he- and uh, it's on the table. That is fun. Yeah, I've heard and I've seen a little <clears throat> bit. Uh, some of the kids have them. And actually, my my niece just got one for her husband. She was looking all over and had to drive all over Boise. And she she called a Walmart like that was all like an hour and a half away from where she was. And they were like, oh, yeah, we've got plenty. And she's like oh, you know, put one on hold or whatever. And they're like, oh, no need or whatever. And then, of course, when she got there, they were all gone. And oh. So she st- I forget where she ended up getting hers, but she she got one too. But, I mean, they're little, from, from what I've seen, they're just amazing. It's an amazing not just game system, but the, the portability and the things that you can do with it are yeah. really, really quite amazing. So Clever. Yeah, they're clever little devices. They are, and I just looked while while you were talking to see if any of the Portal games uh, came on, which they don't. So I think when this is all over, I'm going to let you uh, borrow my PlayStation because I was okay. playing through the first Portal again, and I was like, this is just like if Mark made a game because it's all <laughs> like spatial physics and like just and it's just such a neat little game and there's nothing else like it so one of these I, days I hear, I'll, I hear great things about Portal yeah yeah, yeah. so anyway well that's fun I'll be excited to to hear about your adventures on the, did it come with any games uh, it came with a couple games I don't remember which ones it didn't come with the Animal Crossing which is the the pandemic game of choice apparently yeah which uh, I don't and, I don't I, get like how I and I guess I should ask somebody that's not you, like how that because I know there's a lot of those games where you like you plant your crop and you raise a whatever and you do the tedious things of life that for some reason you also want to do in a game, and I don't understand like what makes this one the big, like I just yeah. I, I'm I'm too removed from that. Yeah, and yeah. so we have a couple friends whose uh, whose wife and daughter play Animal Crossing a lot. I'm trying to get Nick into something that he can play with them uh, over the internet and try and stay connected with their friends. And so I was looking for a device that had some games that we might be able to share with some friends. So nice. We'll, see. well, that'll be yeah. fun. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You haven't had a game system since when? Your Xbox? Uh, yeah. I mean, I had the Xbox. Uh, Mike had like Nintendo 64 comp. Oh yeah, the Nintendo sixty four. Yeah, okay. Uh, is that a thing? <laughs> that was a thing a at some point. Sega Dreamcast, I think you had. Because um, yeah, I remember and, when we when we first uh, met at our agency, I would come up and we would uh, play. I for, what game did we even play on Xbox? I don't remember. I don't know. But like, neither of us were like super into games, so it was just fun to do something. Right. <laughs> so that's Tuesday nights at Mark's house. That's right. That's right. Yep. <laughs> Uh, uh, all right. Well, that's. Uh, let me see. I don't think I have any more news. Let me look. Oh nope. Google Feud was the last thing. So nice. Well, this last week was our friend Brian, the Unipiper kids' birthday. Yes, and I actually got to see him with my own eyes. Although I didn't get did? to get, get near him, I, I I drove up and and dropped off one of the little Sterling engines, the coffee cup ones that I got you, I I gave to him. So I dropped that off on his porch and then he came out and he had something for me. So he had to like stand back when I got that. And it was just so dumb, but it was good to see them in person. So yeah, we occasionally go over there and, uh, 
play with Scarlet through the front window. Yeah. And we, we do little little dances and uh, we brought balloons for Brian the other day and uh, and things like that. But in in shopping for things and, and looking around and stuff, uh, I was shown an ad for a product that was a holograph uh, hologram kit to make your own holograms at home. And I love holograms and always have since I think I saw the National first... Geog- the National Geographic cover in the eighties. The National Geographic cover in the eighties was was monumental. Yes, but I remember kind of seeing my first one in Reno, Nevada, at the <laughs> Planetarium, uh, which was uh, I I lived at second and third grade in Reno. So ever since I was seven or eight, just been mesmerized and and seen and they and they became really uh, a phenomena in the 80s uh, several times um uh, the national geographic cover was was huge was that was a skull right uh, it was either the skull or the planet earth i forget which let me look it up here but yeah go on I'll, skull. I'll, I'll figure it out and um and so this was this is a kit for making your own holograms at home. And so we had that sent to him and, and he just um, received it. And so it makes little tiny holograms, you know, like two, two inch by three inch little glass plates that have some, um, uh, some material on them and you kind of make them in your dark room and, and, and all the stuff. But um, okay, hold on. in the comp, one moment, please. So that oh, it is. So okay. the National Geographic in the eighties was uh, the whole thing had a nice f- holographic frame around it, but then it's a, a globe, a picture of the globe. Um, Did they also do a skull? I thought there was a. Skull. I remember there being a skull somewhere, and I think there was a couple different. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean. To, I'll stop no, sharing okay. my screen now. Um, that was a specific one from eighty eight. Um, but there, w- oh yeah, there was another one um, on uh, oh November of eighty five. So before that, yeah, yep. it was like the hominid skull or whatever yes, of yes. Um, the search for early man. Yeah. Um, yep. The search for early man. So yeah, that one did predate, but there were, and it did seem like there was a hologram boom. In the um, oh now I can't figure out. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I can never figure out how to turn it back off. So yeah. Anyway, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and they're they're really fascinating. They were actually in um invented in the forties, uh, late forties, early fifties, and the real advents of the laser did not really come about until the 60s uh and until like led lasers or or diode lasers that were affordable and and able to be mass produced and so lasers existed in the 50s and you have to have a laser to make a a traditional hologram we'll talk about that in a minute but uh, i thought we'd talk about some other types of holograms that we might have seen so um there's fan holograms and uh, when we talk about hologram, what we're talking about is something that gives the illusion, mostly, of a 3D substance in, uh, in a space in front of you so that you can have um, 
have a vision, uh, a visual representation of something that is uh, three dimensional. And so uh, parallax perception and being able to look around and see something behind something else is one of the key hallmarks of a true hologram. And um, so and do you think those uh, like on the new iPhones or whatever, they have the parallax, whatever camera that can add depth or whatever. Are those technically considered holograms or is there a hologram has to be a laser on a 2D pit? Like, is there a specific? Well, when you view it, can, that, that's when it becomes it a hologram. Exactly. When you view it, are you seeing uh, a 3D experience? So like when you go to a 3D movie, uh, one eye is seeing something different from the other eye. But if I move to the left or move to the right, I'm not seeing something different. Uh, I can't like look behind Scarlett Johansson's head. Right. Uh, I just see that Scarlett Johansson's head is 3D to my <laughs> eyes, if you will. And uh, not nothing says I'm a gay man more than picking Scarlett Johansson's head <laughs> as the 3D object that would be notable coming from the screen. But <laughs> it's a family show. Um, <laughs> Tell a <and> dildonics. <laughs> and so. Um, we now see like on Facebook, the 3D uh, photos that are taken from cameras that have multiple lenses. And, and so that has a little bit of it, but, but you still don't have that parallax persistence as, you're, as you move back and forth, you're not looking behind something. You have to move your mouse to get there. And so the, the image is 3D, but it's not really considered a hologram. Okay. So there's there's other ways that you can kind of artificially produce that experience. There's um, fan holograms. So um, I couldn't find a lot of information about this because there's a new product that um, is called a fan hologram. So it's literally two sticks with some LEDs on the on the surface, and it spins around like a fan and produces. Uh, a sign or a persistence of vision that looks like like something and that's not really a true hologram either the the fan hologram that i've seen is actually a spiral blade in a 3d uh, space that blade spins and lasers project onto the surface of the blade in synchronicity so that as you look in that space you see a 3d object and moving to the left or to the right, you will see behind that object because it is projected in a 3D space. Are those project? I mean, you just said they're projected on. So they're not like um, that little USB fan that you got me that has like a, the LED strip. And when you turn it on, it yep. makes a little clock it's, or whatever. Right. And so those are called fan holograms. But those aren't true holograms. Right. Those are just yeah, yeah, yeah. flooding Google with the term fan hologram. So I can't find the other fan hologram. So the <laughs> so the fan hologram needs a project a projector or can it? It it could be a, like on the blades of the 3D item in uh, in there. You could okay. have LEDs in there, like having a basically a 
a uh, bent TV screen, if you were, if you will, and spin that around, and and you could use use that as a hologram. But the point is um, that if a hologram, you can like walk around, see see behind exactly. it when you move. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and so there's also things called mirror holograms, and the famous one is the Tupac hologram from uh, Coachella. <laughs> And so that's not a true hologram either. That was more of a Pepper's Ghost effect. So Pepper's Ghost is a, um, a, a magic effect that was invented in the 1950s, uh, 1850s. By Sergeant Pepper. By Sergeant Pepper, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and his Lonely Heart Cl Hearts Club band. <laughs> and uh, Pepper's Ghost is basically when you have a piece of glass and you... Um, put that glass at an angle and project a, um, a so if I've got a piece of glass yeah. at an angle and I can look through the glass and I can see the reflection from the glass and so I can control the light on either side either the reflected item or the item behind the glass and uh, this is used in visual effects all the time specifically at Disneyland I was gonna say. they love Pepper's Ghost effect and so uh, so what and I'm not as familiar with Disneyland but I I do know the effect you're talking about so what that's mostly in the haunted mansion where else do they the haunted so yeah, in like, the haunted mansion famously the the um the it's like a hallway room, or a room or something it, the the room that is the dining hall and they are having a dance and there's people right. eating and there's people swinging from the chandeliers and all that so as a participant in the ride, you are looking through an angled piece of glass and underneath the ride are illuminated figurines that are reflecting off the glass at the same angle that they should appear at the stuff behind the glass. So those are so, real objects at Disneyland? They're not just real a projected objects. image? Oh, interesting. Yeah, and, and so that's how Pepper's Ghost Effect works is you've got a a physical item that's illuminated and being reflected at an angle through that glass. And I can control the light on both the front side of the glass and the projected item or the, the uh, reflected item. And I can control how that, how that looks weird. Yeah. Uh, and so they did that with Tupac. They had basically a big sheet of glass on the stage at an angle and had monitors on the the floor of the stage projecting up and so it looked like Tupac was on stage with the other performers or or whatever and so they called it a hologram the Tupac hologram but uh not a true hologram <laughs> so take that um, Tupac Tupac so there's a recent invention that is a true hologram, and it's uh, sometimes called sound holograms, but the official term is a multimodal acoustic trap display. And so a multimodal acoustic trap display. So what happens is you have um, a chamber, and uh, just imagine on your desk you have um a diorama if you will so we're looking into a box the front is open and the other five sides are closed on the on the desk right on the top surface and bottom surface inside the chamber are an array of hundreds of little 
uh, supersonic or, or ultrasonic um, uh, speakers, just tiny little speakers. And inside the chamber, they put a little styrofoam bead, uh, just as light as a feather, and it stays in that air and is suspended and controlled by the super by the the ultrasonic uh, sound from these speakers on the top and bottom. And so by controlling the ultrasonic sound, they can move that little bead all over the place, okay? Then from the side, they have a laser that hits the bead with light, okay? So by moving that ultrasonic, by controlling the ultrasonic sound, they can move the bead faster than your eye can perceive it to move. And that laser hits it with light to control kind of the frame rate of what's displayed on it. And so uh, there's videos like they've got a basically a suspended number eight right in the middle of the display or a butterfly butterfly flapping in the middle of the display. And these aren't super detailed high fidelity images yet, but uh, but yet exactly. But um, the when you view them as a human in the space, the persistence of vision uh, makes it very smooth, very fluid. If you look at some videos of them, they have a flicker to them, but it's it's a camera. artifact yeah. of the camera. And so, people who so what is are that? Talking, what was that one called? The sonic supersonic multi multimodal acoustic trap display. So this is kind of like there's that thing at OMSI where it's like a big tube full of. Um, styrofoam beeves or whatever and you kind of shoot the sound down it and it'll show you the sound waves but this is more using that but to suspend things in a certain place so that you can project on them exactly wow and so there's actually um let me let me share my screen um, oh weird yeah i'm looking at it, some youtube video right now yeah and so let's see if i can turn that down um if you see my my yeah, screen so yeah. it it is volumetric it does contain space you can like literally walk around the entire thing and look at the back side and look at the front side uh and at different frame rates you can you can have full three-dimensional looking objects in there now the other added little benefit that they've got with these they because of the ultrasonic uh, speakers in there, as you put your hand towards the object, they influence the air around the object with that Jeez. ultrasonic sound and make you feel tactile response. So as your hand gets close to it, you start to feel that object, even though you're not touching the bead you're not touching the light, and uh, and so it's it's a really fascinating uh, composite of technologies wow. that are able to trick your senses into thinking that you have something that is physical in front of you, and it's really only a single pixel that is drawing this thing really fast, Jeez. and 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 these speakers that are 
creating uh, effect, uh, affecting the air right around it so that your hand feels it. Isn't that wacky? Wow, that is insane. Yeah. yeah so, uh, so that was kind of the most interesting thing that I found when I was um, looking. Yeah, there's the picture of the. Oh, I'm not sharing <laughs> my screen anymore. I'm looking at it though. Um, so, and these are are other attempts to try and create the experience of holograms. So let's talk about what we know as the flat surface film looking holograms like we saw at the at the on the cover of um, National Geographic how those are created so holograms are created with lasers when we look at a photograph um, in you know I bring out a photograph I look at it um, all the light around me is a mix of a lot of different colors of light. It's bouncing all over the place and it's very inconsistent, but it's um, a blend of everything, right? And so when I look at that photo, I'm just seeing the light bounce off and, and when it bounces off a blue pixel, it absorbs all the things but blue, bounces that blue into my eye uh, from that one pixel. and that's not at all how um, how holograms work. <laughs> so what we do with the hologram, and I'm going to bring up that image that, uh, see if I can share this and go back to our whiteboard. Do, do. Do, you re okay. do you remember uh, on Binsworthy when we watched the earthquake preparation <laughs> plan video? And it was all of the MS yes. Paint drawn. <laughs> yes. Uh, mine are not that sophisticated. So, yes. Um, and let's see if I can. So, yeah, I can see what? that. Yeah, cool. So, let me make sure. I can. So, <laughs> um, so, what happens in a laser is instead of having that amalgamation of all the different wavelengths of light, lasers produce a single and the key is coherent light source and so the coherent waves of light are all exactly in sync and each crest and trough of each wave is marching in line together and they are exactly from the same source and all in sync as they move out from the laser and so a laser shoots it out and goes immediately to a beam splitter. So a beam splitter does exactly that. It splits the beam and creates two exact sisters of light. And they are coming from the same source. They are going at the same speed. They are traveling the same amount of distance. And so they have... Um, they're right in sync and in unison with each other. We send them to a couple mirrors, send them through a lens, and one gets bounced off of the object that, uh, and one, one key to um, making a hologram with lasers is they remove the lens from the laser so that it's not a single point. It actually fans out and you've got a whole um, wide 
spread right. of laser light. So we send it to this beam splitter, goes to a mirror, goes to a lens, and bounces off the object. So this up here is our object, um, um, the object beam. Mm -hmm. And then what half of the light gets bounced and goes bounces from the beam splitter. I guess my beam splitter is aimed the wrong way. It should actually be this way. Uh, bounces off of the beam splitter, goes through a lens, hits a mirror, and goes to the film. So our object light goes to the film, and our reference light goes to the film. And so now we have two sets of information going to the film at the same time and if there wasn't an object in the way, they would arrive at exactly the same time and be exactly in sync and they'd hit the film exactly the same way and effectively nothing would happen. But because the object interferes with half of the light, it creates a literal interference pattern uh, that gets recorded on the film okay and an interference pattern we've seen on old style televisions and stuff it's it's um if i uh if you just google interference pattern <laughs> it's it's a uh a series of waves that you uh see like when when you um <laughs> uh oh <laughs> thanks siri um an interference pattern, like if I drop two pebbles oh, right. okay. in a in a lake, the crests and troughs of those waves hitting each other is an interference pattern. Okay. And it's going to give us all of the information about the origin points of those two pebbles. If we had those pebbles dropped at exactly the same point at exactly the same time there would be no interference pattern because the wave created by those two pebbles would be identical so by moving the pebbles apart and dropping them we get all of the waves that are interacting with each other that that references the original points where they came from okay so we're doing the same thing in a hologram where we have two pebbles, if you will. We have an object pebble and a, and a reference pebble. And one is being affected by whatever object we put in place. So let's say we put a little toy car in the object beam uh, zone. Yeah. And so the object beam hits the little car and then goes onto the film. So now what the film has is an A plus B equals C. So it has the A beam or the reference beam. It has the B beam, which is the product or the object beam. And that's creating this C reference area down on the film. On the film. And so now all we have to do is, uh, in order to see the object, we just need to take C minus A. So we take C minus A equals B, 
right? Right. Just basic math. And so if they shine a laser through the film on the backside, we now see the exact detail of the object that um, that was recorded using the interference pattern from the two beams recollect, reconnecting on the film. There's some really interesting things that happen in this. The parallax persistence is there. We can look so with, around without, the object. But without moving the... Um, so the one... We had the laser splitter or the laser the laser pointer that shoots through the beam splitter. So now we have two beams, one of which points at the object. That one that's pointed at the object doesn't have to move in order to get nope. that parallax. It's just it's, big enough it's to envelop spraying, it. Yeah, it's spraying the entire object with this laser light that is then bouncing off of all the parts that are visible. But how is it doing how is it getting both sides of that object? It's magic. It's not going to get both sides. It will only be as like like a photograph side. Yes. Uh, Imagine taking a picture frame, taking the picture out of it and putting that in front of you and looking at something behind it. You're you're going to have a point that. You can no longer go around, if you will. Right. But within that window of light, you've got all of the information. So um, you won't be able to do a 360-degree look around something with with one of these holograms. But it will be as wide as the aperture of the light is. So they just make the aperture of the light much bigger than our our eyes' ability. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And so, and by much, it, it's not even much, you know, as long as it's wider than, um, wider than what we are able to, like you know, basically the distance across our eyes. Or yeah, whatever. exactly. And, and so with that information, all of that light gets collected on this film. And there's some really interesting qualities of this. It's not focused in in how we think of a photograph being in focus or out of focus. All of the interference pattern is recorded on this film. And if we have a, a precise enough camera, we could actually... So if, if we took and made a hologram of a ruler looking into the camera, if you will. So a ruler pointed straight at us. If we had a hologram of that, I could then focus on the beginning of the ruler and the back would be blurry. And then I could focus on the back of the ruler and the front would be blurry. It carries all of the information about how light, how the laser light bounced off of each point in this, and then was collected in the in the uh, the film material yeah. the, in the in the film for the hologram. And so, what kind of film is it using? 
It's it's a bunch of chemicals. Okay. Uh, it, it's, but basically uh, just like film. It's plated on glass, exactly. Okay. And so it's plated on glass, and it's just recording the very specific interference pattern of the very specific wavelength of laser light. Okay. And so um, it's not as sensitive to white light as others. So you don't have to like do it in a completely black room as long as there aren't any other red lights in the room kind of thing. And so of that specific frequency, the so literal, you want to turn off all the literal white opposite lights. of a photography development <laughs> yeah, room, totally. which is just red light. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so, um, so within the completed hologram, you can actually focus in uh, to the reference point. So what they would actually use this, in the 1950s and 1960s to record information about nuclear power plants so they could um, have a an item that was incredibly radioactive in a space. They could take a, a film of this using holograms and then they could take that hologram and they could zoom in and look at the details zoom in on the other areas, you know, focus on on different things so they could have a a large item that they're taking a hologram of and be able to look at the details without having to have a focused lens right. on each of those details. So let, let me see if I can kind of get it straight in my head. So let's go back to the ruler uh yep. uh, uh pick hologram or whatever so the the ruler's face, you know, facing right into camera so you can see straight down it. So like yep. in a traditional photo on that ruler, you can focus on, you know, in the foreground, in the middle ground, or the background, or whatever. Let's say I yep. take it so that the very back of the ruler, the 12 inches or whatever, that's in focus. No matter right. how hard I try, I can't focus on the one inch because that's blurry because that's how we yep. adjusted the camera. But exactly. what you're saying is in a hologram, it's not necessarily all in focus because you can do that with a regular camera too, just make everything in focus. But on the hologram, it's in focus in real life, wherever you look at it, and the rest falls away to blurriness. Yeah. Wow, yeah. that's trippy. You you are actually looking at the f a lighted representation of the item. Okay, now I'm going to really blow your mind. Uh-oh. <laughs> so we take that hologram, and I hit it with a little hammer. Boink. And I break that hologram into four pieces. Now I take a look at one of those four pieces and I look in the hologram. What are you going to see? Is it like if you put a mirror on the ground or whatever or against a wall and you can see different things based on where you're standing? Does that make sense? Uh, I understand what you're asking <laughs> and, and the answer is no. Okay. So it is each point in the hologram contains all of the information of the entire hologram so so if i break that into for four podcast pieces, listeners i'm just burying my my face in my hands and <laughs> disbelief so in each of those four pieces is the incomplete the complete hologram so i will have the entire the entire length of the ruler or the entire car, it will just be smaller and 
and lower fidelity per pixel. You know, we, we don't have as much, as many pixels of recorded information on the film, but each point in the hologram is storing the entire hologram. <laughs> so, okay. So we're looking at this this picture that you drew or whatever. Yeah. So let's pretend we made that into a hologram. I don't know how. So we have this one plate with this mm-hmm. image on it. Mm-hmm. And we drop that onto the floor and it breaks into four pieces. Yep. So now when we look at those four pieces on the ground, are we seeing all of a sudden that same image four times or are we yep. seeing the different corners and then we can pick it up and nope. kind of adjust it and look, you know what I mean? So if, if you think about it, let's say we're looking at a four by six hologram. It's fl- perfectly flat. And so as I look at an angle of that, um, if I'm looking at the right-hand side of the uh, of that four by six, that angle is going to be very consistent with the angle of everything else that's on that piece of glass. So now, if I break that piece of glass in half, so now I'm uh, you know a four by three, if you will, two four by three areas. Now I can change the angle on either one and so if i if i hold them together as one piece of glass i will see in the left piece i will see um half of of it and the right hand piece i'll see the other half of it but if i tweak those you know now they're no longer attached if i bend them if you will and and keep them at a different angle I can look around in there and see the entire hologram, <laughs> the entire item. And so, whereas on the four by six, that item was small in the middle, if you will. Yeah. Now in the two by three pieces, it's bigger. It's taking up more of the of the real estate that's on the four by three. It's still persisting the same size. But Since now you've got a smaller, smaller window, got a smaller window that you're looking at. And so you'd have to move that window around to see more of it. Now you break that in half and now I've got a, a two by one and a half or whatever. Uh, then same thing. I'm just looking at the same item through a s- smaller window. Okay. And so that item is still as big. <laughs> And then I break that in half, and it's just a smaller window of that same item. That's weird. <laughs> I, I so my YouTube is same, gonna be is gonna be firing tonight as I <laughs> as I look into all this. What's What's interesting if we go back to the lake and and um, the pebble the dropping pebbles into the lake uh, thing. This same information persists in the same way. So. If I've got a a kiddie pool and it's got water in it, and I drop three pebbles in three different places and creates an interference pattern and I freeze frame that interference pattern, I instantly freeze and now I've got that perfect wave. Any of 
and then I take that whole surface and I break that into multiple pieces, each part of that interference pattern can be used to find out where those original three pebbles were dropped. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that, that does make sense. Kind of like radar, how that works. And Yeah. And so we're using interference patterns on film to record all of the information about how an object interfered with light that reached this plate. That's so weird. And because each point in the plate can see that car and see the interference pattern from both the light coming from the car and the reference point, those that collection of information is available at each pixel in the hologram which so do you is mind do you see super mind bending yeah d with that with the one the acoustic the acoustic one that we were talking about do you see that as a viable thing that people are going to pursue for like our new displays and our new I mean, that's basically in Star Wars, they all stand around like yeah. the model of the Death Star or whatever. Exactly. Like, uh, I mean, that's what everybody's hoping is ultimately. Some might say a new hope thing. <laughs> nobody would say that. They should be. Nobody, <laughs> they should be punched. Nobody would say that. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's what we're looking for is that sci-fi experience of having a 3D display in front of us that can be controlled and, you know, in a most ideal, fantastic way, we would hope for a holodeck where you have a holographic display that is also tactile and uh, able to be touched and interfered with physically. And uh, and having having that is the ultimate goal. And and we're just trying to get there. For some reason, I'm just flashing back to all the applications that could be done using this and teledildonics. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're no, gonna be millionaires. Yeah, that's super fascinating. Though. I mean, just yeah. I, I I remember those National Geographic's too when I was when I was growing up, and I'm trying to remember because even on video store boxes or whatever, there'd be like a tiny little sticker or like at the gross some little things on the grocery store, like the Ameri There's an eagle on. Something and now even on our money uses holograms. Yep. Holograms on our money. Uh, the Visa logo. The Visa. That's what I'm thinking of. The little uh, ha has the little eagle yeah. on it, and and that was introduced. And because they're really really hard to reproduce. I was going to say. So how uh, do you? Is it just using that same thing that's a f the film, or you can't print it? Obviously, like you would uh, do a standard print job. Yeah. So, so they there is a way to reproduce holograms, and basically, the film uh, is used as a die to record that all of that pixel information in a special aluminum plated uh, type of film that then can be stamped and reproduced uh, using a different chemical. Okay. And so uh, super smart engineers that have bigger brains than me know how to do that so that, you know, they're not making a unique hologram every time they make an Eagle uh, for, for every visa card that's out there. But um, 
they are able to reproduce those. That's so cool. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'll be I'll be I saw pictures of, of what you got for Brian and I was like I'd never heard of anything like that before. Yeah. And so it'll be Yeah, and so his comes with a little red laser and a little stand and like five samples of the you can get refills of of the recording plates of the film plates. And so it literally just you dim the room, you put the, you know, the little princess Leia in <laughs> in the in the space and you take away the blind that was covering the laser and you let that record for like five minutes and any movement destroys the hologram <laughs> uh, and so that's why you see uh, when families have their pictures taken in holograms that's why they're not smiling exactly <laughs> hold this for five minutes uh and uh yeah and so that's, that's neat we're we're looking forward to seeing the output of of brian's hologram kit. yeah wow oh good i've always wondered what was going on with with holograms and they've just i mean lasers yeah and it's and lasers are the which key. i've always heard too and like in my kid brain i'm like so the lasers are in the hologram making right, the hologram right. because that's what it looked like you know it's got the shiny rainbow you know yep. feel to it but funny well thank you for that i have a new yeah. a new youtube rabbit hole that i will be falling down <sighs> Uh, it's it's a fun there's there's obviously there's some really great examples on YouTube and really uh, can explain it a little bit better because it's a little more visual than a podcast yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, because holograms are obviously very visual yeah, so after you go play Google feud you can go go to YouTube and <laughs> look for some hologram videos well awesome thank you for doing that um I don't think we have any special announcements because nothing special is happening. So I guess we will just see everyone next week. Listen to Fun Employment Radio. Listen to Portland at the movies. Oh, so I have my YouTube channel, you know, and I'm getting I'm getting a fan base on my VHS YouTube channel. And one of the people I kind of regularly comments, I um, when I post a movie for Portland at the movies, I'll also put it on the VHS channel and then I'll always put a link you know for a full review listen to Portland at the movies or whatever so now this one guy I was like oh you should listen to our podcast he's like oh I already did several times so <laughs> okay let's let's just finish with uh, one little uh, Google feud oh okay um, and so here's uh, let, me, let me restart here Hold are on. you going to screen share with me I guess you don't uh, have to yeah I can do that and so uh, Elizabeth is the, so these are names. Okay. And so when they do names, it's literally just looking oh. for uh, first first name Elizabeth. Uh, I will say Queen. Second, Qu Elizabeth Queen. For Queen Elizabeth, what? Okay. Uh, nope. Uh, Elizabeth N Banks. Banks. All right. Is number, number six. six. Montgomery, Montgomery. Elizabeth bewitched. Is that is that who Elizabeth She's Montgomery not, is? Yes. <laughs> why is that not top of the? Uh, is that wasn't that, even the top ten. Number one with a bullet. Uh, how about Elizabeth Olson? Elizabeth Olson. O L S E N. S -E -N. Yeah. There we go. Number, number four. four. 
Um, Elizabeth. It's got to be one of the royal families. That's why I thought what's, Queen Elizabeth. What's their last name? The, <laughs> we found it out that one time, but I don't remember. <laughs> Smith. Elizabeth. Nick, what's the queen's last name? Um, Elizabeth. Oh, I, Edwards. I, Isn't there an Elizabeth Edwards? Oh. No. Uh, we have one more guess. Jeez Louise. Elizabeth. Queen of Scots. <laughs> Queen of Scots. Uh, uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren. Warren. Oh, we're sorry, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren. Sorry. How we completely Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> Who's Elizabeth, Elizabeth Holmes? Warren age? Oh, Elizabeth Taylor. That would make sense. Liz Hurley. Elizabeth Taylor. Hurley. Elizabeth Smart. Who is Gillis? G I L L I E S. I know. How sad we forgot about Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> we just tossed We're tossed sorry. her out with the collective cultural garbage. <laughs> um, All right. and one more, one Eli- more. Queen Elizabeth is uh, from House of Windsor, says oh, Nicholas. Okay. Of course, None of which though uh, came up in the. No. All right, one more, one more. Um, let's go to you. Want know, culture, people, names? Or uh, questions? Have we done? Let's do a question. Let's do, we let's do done questions. Yet. Ooh, who makes the best? Who makes the best uh, tacos? Okay. <laughs> no. Pizza? Pizza? What? No. Who makes the best? It's got to be food, right? The best. Um, who makes the best? Muse? No, music wouldn't. Uh, who would Google any music. of Music. <laughs> <laughs> who makes the best? Uh, podcast. Number Podcast. one, Mark and Toddcast. Who oh. makes the best replica watches, refrigerator, AR-10 <laughs> rifle? Te- okay, so let's let's do one more. That, was that a is a question. One. That was stupid. <laughs> okay, question. Oh, Can here we go. Jesus. Can Jesus? Oh well, now I'm stumped because Jesus can do anything. Google. <laughs> Can Jesus do anything? No. Can Jesus uh, forgive me? Forgive me. Ooh, that said two parts. Forgive forgive me. Forgive sins and forgive me. That's interesting. It did unveil two of them, though. Can Jesus walk on water? Walk on water. That's two of them as well. Turn water into wine and walk on water. You got two Two for with water. Um, Can Jesus perform miracles? Oh, there we go. No, <laughs> apparently not. No. Uh, can, what would be number one? Uh, can Jesus um, save uh, can me? He... No, we already did. Well, save has got to be in here somewhere. Save me. <laughs> Jesus can't. <laughs> Jesus cannot save me. Save oh me. no. Can, can we have one guess left? Um, be um. Can can Jesus be proved? Can be like, oh uh, yeah, yeah uh, or maybe be um, everywhere. Be everywhere. <laughs> okay. What? The first two so, are microwave a burrito, and then and microwave so, microwave a burrito so whatever that means. So uh, I think this is microwave a burrito so hot that he can't eat. Oh. Um, Funny. Oh, that's Jesus from The Simpsons, Michael. it looks like. <laughs> the answer is obviously yes. Uh, could Jesus microwave a burrito? 
so hot so that not hot. even he could eat it. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> awesome. That's a lot of fun. That is that is fun. So, all right. Well, Mark, it was good to see you again. Indeed. Closer every day to seeing each other in person. So nice, oh, nice and I've uh, got, rainbow reference on. I yeah. got a rainbow, a hologram rainbow. Oh. Look, you can go behind it. <laughs> you can go behind it. <laughs> all right. Awesome. So yeah, listen to Fun Employment Radio. Listen to us. Uh, stay safe. Let's finish this so that we don't ever have to go through it again. Um, and Indeed. we will see you guys later. Thank you for listening. I'll probably pay um, some ABBA maybe at the end of this. <laughs> nice. So anyway, yeah. thank you for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. Fingers be home, daddy hoon, gonna say do. Yay, burst beer, horn, beer, scare, bork, bork, bork. English beer, the Swedish meatball. It's beer, the sauce, the meatball. It's beer, the Thank you.